A popular outcast production. everyone and welcome to episode 47 of Portable Power. We're the only podcast out there that isn't going to edit this episode. This is our year-end celebration episode. This is probably the third time we've done it now, four, whatever. Anyway, my name's Mark Matters. I'm here with Kevin Seibert and Russ Smith. Kevin, what's going on? Uh, not much. What about you? Uh, I'm just sitting over here with a drinky poo. Um... What do you what, what what do you have? Uh, well, I'm sitting over here with a drink. Uh, Conshohocken Brewing Company's Day Without a Dawn Imperial American Black Ale. That's a lot of words. Wow. It sure is. They could have been a little more concise. They could have taken being concise tutorials. Yeah. And so this is in a can, right? It is in a can. It's it's yeah. a it's a pounder. What's that mean? Uh, you th- pound it. No, it's like one of the the tall boys or whatever. The the, the tall oh, okay. cans is not like a regular beer can. Damn, I had I had a joke. Never mind. Now I'm still gonna say it. I like my beer like I like my sex. A pounder in the can. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, horrible. <laughs> do you like that beer? Um, it is decidedly all right. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm still laughing at my joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, um, it's very hoppy. Hmm. It's it's very dark. Um, it has some uh, roasted malty flavors. I, I I'm okay with it. All right. What have you been playing as of late? Oh man, what haven't I been playing? <laughs> I've been playing so much. Uh, let's see. Uh, I recently had my annual holiday tradition of getting completely plastered on he- eggnog <laughs> and then playing Super Mario Brothers 3 with my friend Kate. We do that every year. This year oh. I drank a fifth of alcoholic vodka. Oh my god. Um, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't die, but I certainly was being irresponsible. And let me tell you what, the uh, the hangover on alcoholic eggnog is not amazing. No. Let me tell you. Have, let me tell you what else. <laughs> my playing of Super Mario Brothers three is not amazing. On the fifth of alcohol, oh, vodka. Not how many vodka, times did uh, you die? Shit, eggnog. What? How many times did you die? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. But it was. To, it was to the <laughs> point where I. I was like, like my girlfriend was in the room too, and I was like, "We're playing so good, right?" And she was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> she's not even good at video games. Oh, <laughs> uh, do you want me to edit that out? Nah, she doesn't listen okay. to this. It's right. fine. Question of the week: There was a new Star Wars movie that a couple people saw uh, recently, and um, I'm just wondering if you would like to take a moment to share um, one of your, I'm going to assume, many favorite Star Wars memories. Gosh, like this is hard. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't even know you if not for Star Wars. Totally. Yeah, or, or I mean, well, we had enough in common friends that we may have known each other but like 
we would have had a really hard time connecting early on because yeah i'm super awkward and like mm-hmm. i oh, mean i'm antisocial to the max so yeah seriously so like we probably would have been in the same room a lot and just like never spoken yeah um so there's that i mean that's the obvious one the other mm-hmm. gosh like uh I mean, every weekend, like, my junior and senior year of high school, like, I watched at least one movie from the trilogy, if not multiple ones. Um, Not to mention, like, the sheer amount of time that I spent playing the uh, Decipher-created Star Wars CCG in the mid-to-late 90s. Like, I I have all kinds of Star Wars memories. Emrys, how are you this evening? I am really good. Do you have a beverage with you? I do. I've got some lovely O'Doul's. Uh, again, yes. Mm. Emrys? Emrys. Foamy. Yeah. Emrys, do you, do you have a problem? Uh, yeah, I have an, o- <laughs> an O'Doul's problem. <laughs> the problem <clears throat> is that you're drinking O'Doul's. <laughs> That's exactly the problem. <laughs> yep. Nailed it. Uh, cool. Well, what have you been playing recently? I actually, I've been playing this cool game. It's called uh, Might and Magic Duel of Champions. Okay. Uh, it's a collectible card game, sort of like Hearthstone, uh, but with incredibly different mechanics. And for some reason, nobody plays it. It's actually a really good game, though. Like, I so you really just go like against it. the computer, the AI, or there's enough there's enough people playing it that you can match make pretty easily. Okay. Um, so I, I I don't have to play the computer at all, but it's not the millions and millions of people that Hearthstone has. Right. Nice. Well, uh, Emrys. Oh. I want to note something else. Oh. I do still run uh, 10 billion wives. <laughs> I'm still playing That's impressive. That. Yeah. You haven't finished it. No, I have not finished it. For a couple of days, it stopped uh, gathering love in the background, and oh. I almost quit. But then they patched it, so it worked again. And now, uh, <clears throat> yeah. So I'll be done with it in a week or two. <laughs> I'm, I'm currently trying to get up to like 160 quadrillion <laughs> love <laughs> is that progress. what that number's called yeah <laughs> i had to look it up in the dictionary um oh my god i i actually prefer just to call it a gazillion mm-hmm. uh, so yeah gazillions of love wow yeah so that it's it stood the test of time it's a quality game all right well um do you have any Star Wars memories that you would like to share this evening? You know, I actually can't even decide. Because, like, I have a lot of little things. Mm-hmm. I want to say that my biggest Star Wars memory is probably the 90s when they started releasing the special editions leading up to the, um, the Phantom Menace. Okay. Cuz yeah. there were, there were there was like several years there where they they put, they first they put out the remastered in the black box. And that was actually the first time in me like the first time that I can remember actually seeing The Empire Strikes Back. Because before that we didn't have uh we didn't have them on VHS. We we just had them taped off the TV. Oh yeah. So then we got that box, the theatrical edition box, and I got to see The Empire Strikes Back for the first time I can remember. 
And then I was really excited about uh, the remastered. Because, mm-hmm. like, oh, computer graphics. You know, I was maybe 13 or 12 or something at the time. So it was really exciting Yeah, that they were going to be in theaters again. So I went and got to see them in theaters. And then leading up to The Phantom Menace was, like, the most... It was, like, the most anticipation I've ever had for a movie release. It was, like, a whole new kind yeah. of excitement. That and was a, for sure. I'm, I'm literally never going to feel that way about a movie again. Like, well, those are some great trailers for The Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they don't tell you what's in the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, the, the Phantom Menace trailer is basically just like, Ooh, Star Wars. There's mm-hmm. guys. Maybe a lightsaber. Who knows? And that See, kid has Darth Vader's shadow behind him. Right, hmm. yeah, on the I poster. I had that poster on my wall for so long. Oh, right? And the thing is, I want to emphasize that everybody loved The Phantom Menace for like the first three weeks that it was out. You couldn't find anybody who didn't like it. No comment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would like to claim that I immediately hated it, but it took me about four viewings until I was like, this isn't very good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It took time for people, whether they want to admit it or not. Right. Roger Ebert gave it three and a half stars. I yeah. think it was hilarious. I think the mm-hmm. moment that I realized that The Phantom Menace wasn't very good is when John brought that mm-hmm. bootleg copy of Phantom Menace to the cabin, and we yep. sat down and watched it. Yeah, and then it was like, and like the without the surround day. sound and the benefit of like a big screen. Yeah, like it was yeah. like everything came crashing down. Yeah, and we were all like, uh, "Oh, I don't remember Jar Jar being in it this much." And like, mm-hmm. wow, he really he shows up early. And, and like, we started calling down <laughs> anvils on him every single time he spoke. Oh yeah. So uh, I don't know if you've heard. Have you heard of the Phantom, uh, the Phantom anvils, Mark? No. Oh no. my god! So immediately after watching this, we were like, "We have, we have to write, we have to write a parody." And so I, this is my very first screenwriting attempt. I, we, I started writing a parody of the Phantom Menace called the Phantom Anvils, where sentient anvils appear and smite various characters. <laughs> uh, I, I still have it. I still have it. Do uh, you? This is yeah. I lost oh, yeah. it long ago. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Um, oh, wow. I have it in multiple formats. Um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah. Uh, so this is where Kevin got his, his screen name, actually. Only one calorie, his, yeah. Yeah, his aim screen name. Phantomanvils.doc. Wow, we could have a whole episode where we just like do a table reading of this. It's genius. <laughs> You know, I remember reading that, like, years after we stopped work on it, and getting to a scene, like, we were on AIM talking about it, and I was like, wow, this scene is really good, because it was a collaborative effort, I was like, this scene is really good, and you were like, yeah, you wrote that, and I felt like the biggest (laughs) horse's ass in the world. Yeah, (laughs) so we start out, we start out with... A giant anvil, it pans down onto a giant anvil flying through space, and it launches out smaller anvils like the uh, Empire Strikes Back probe droids. (laughs) (laughs) It's genius! Okay. Alright, enough about that. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll post that on the 
Facebook page or something. Oh, that would be fantastic. Too good not to share. Yeah. All right. So the Fandom Anvils is officially my favorite Star Wars memory. Awesome. (laughs) We sent that to Tycho Brahe from Penny Arcade, and he liked it. He did like it. That is so weird. (laughs) Well, that was back when he actually still responded to emails. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In yeah. the 90s. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Hey, so anyway, I'm over here in California, far away from you guys, drinking this uh, Graham's Natura Organic Reserve Port Wine. And if you're not familiar with port wine, port wine is a, like a red wine, but it's fairly sweet. It's also 20% alcohol. Mm. <laughs> it sounds like an instant hangover. It sounds like this episode's going to get real good towards the end. <laughs> Don't they always? I think so, yes. I'm my own biggest fan, though. <laughs> um, the game I've been playing, I'm reviewing for this episode, so we're going to kind of gloss over that for now. I don't even know if that's the right word choice, but we're going to do that. Fair enough. Um, yeah. My favorite Star Wars memory... Somehow, both of you stole my number one and number two. Um, I was going to say the 90s um, was like this, the peak for me with like Star Wars mania because I grew up in the 80s. Like I, I know that I saw Return of the Jedi in its first run, but I do not remember that. I do not remember going to that with my parents. Right. Um, so the first time I remember seeing Star Wars in the theater was 1997 when I went to see A New Hope Special Edition with our dear friend Kevin Seibert here, and which is where we officially met. And um, I was just all about Star Wars at that point. Like, I was collecting the action figures and, and s- some of the books and um, just all about everything Star Wars. Um, and... Yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought, but <laughs> uh, my favorite Star Wars memory is just going to, yeah, very, very generally just that 90s hype. There, there was a lot of hype, very similar to how it is now. I mean, Star Wars is everywhere right now, and for me, it was just like the pinnacle of my Star Wars mania, and I haven't felt that way about much of anything, you know, in, in media, uh, very generally speaking, in, in a long time. Well, the, the hype around The Phantom Menace was, like, it was a new yeah. thing. Like, nobody it, had yeah. ever been that hyped before. Yeah, it's true. I um, I definitely, like, well, the same thing happened when I saw Episode 7, but, like, just the opening crawl, like, it got me to tear up because it's like, oh, my gosh, this is a real thing that's happening. Like, this yeah. is this is un- unbelievable. So, um. Yeah, because like up until that point, a part of you thinks like, "Oh, J.J. Abrams is just doing this as like a fake Star Wars movie just to promote whatever thing he's working on." <laughs> All right. Well, this is our end of the year episode, and um, let's start with Kevin. Kevin, let's hear uh, some of your picks for your games of the year that we featured on this podcast. Was because we can't be so, you know, comprehensive we that can't we cover be that everything. Thorough. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, game. Sh- should I just should I start with the big one? Should I start with game of the year? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's go right for it. All right. Cool. You guys ready for this? This is going to be a real yeah. shocker, I think. 
<laughs> I think it's going to be like a real surprise pick, okay? <laughs> yeah. I hate everything! Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened. This was a bad year. <laughs> I see a lot of people on Twitter talking about how many amazing games are out there, and I don't know, maybe it's I haven't had the time, I haven't had the right consoles, but oh my gosh, this was a miserable year for gaming for me. I, I've enjoyed my Wii U experiences. Sure. Um, as far as, like, 3DS and particularly iOS go, it's just been primarily a really garbage year. And I'm sure, like, you, you were saying there have been, like, a lot of great, like, 3DS RPGs that we yes. just didn't Towards play. This, yeah, to, like, starting in September, it seemed like every month there's been, like, a fairly well-reviewed 3DS RPG. There was Little Battlers experience, there was, um... Yokai Watch, there was Legend of Legacy, there was um, Stella Glow. All these games came out in like the last quarter of the year, and we we kind of missed them, unfortunately, due to scheduling, due to to finances and stuff like that. But out of everything that we covered on the show, like what a poopy year! Well, I'm stellar... surprised people are still listening to us review games that we hate. Well, a Stella re- uh, Stella Glow review is forthcoming. I just got it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, awesome. So that that's that's I mean not this episode, but yeah. next episode for sure. Uh, I'll be fine. covering Stella Glow. Um but yeah, like I just like I was looking back over games we reviewed and like mm-hmm. from after Majora's Mask, like I pretty much hated everything I played yeah. this year. It's true. Well, that's our <laughs> end of the year review. So <laughs> We're going to transition into a traditional episode of PPP and start with a review of Pokemon Picross by our friend Emrys. Pokemon Picross, um, for those of you who don't have a 3DS, is uh, Nintendo's latest Pokemon uh, packaged free-to-play game for the 3DS. Now, uh, this is not the first or the only uh, Pokemon puzzle game that you can get. If you basically want to play any kind of Pokemon game that's actually a puzzle game. You can you can find one either on your phone or on the 3DS. Yeah. Now, uh, that being said, I fucking love Picross <laughs> as a puzzle game. It's definitely it's a puzzle game that I've played before. Uh, I think it's just great. Um, the way you play the game is. You have a big grid with, like, uh, I'm looking at one that's 20 squares by 15 squares. And above each column and next to each row, you'll have a list of numbers. Okay? And each number represents a consecutive set of filled-in squares. Okay? So if you see a 3, you know somewhere on that line or column there's going to be 3 squares that are filled in with an empty space on either side 
or it'll be adjacent to one of the endpoints. Okay. Does that make any sense at all? Yes. All right. Now, uh, when you play the game, you have lots of these numbers, lots of them, and you have to fill in this huge grid based on just the numbers as clues. So it's kind of like Sudoku. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were really into uh, pixelated art instead of just numbers. Okay. Because what you end up with at the end is all these filled-in squares make a picture. And in this case, they make a picture of a Pokemon. Now, uh, when I got this game, I was not expecting it to be incredibly fucking hard. <laughs> which it is. Uh, the reason for that is that Pokemon don't actually look like anything when you break them down into black and white dots. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're playing Picross uh, on an app or something, and they give you a 20 by 20 square, and it's a, a fucking sailboat, Like, after a while, you can sort of discern that it's a sailboat, you know. And some puzzles are harder than others. Like, if the art is really detailed, you know, it'll be more complicated because you'll have... uh, Like, one of the ways you solve the puzzle is by looking for big numbers. So if you have, like, eight across, you can generally fill in most of a row. But if you have, like, two, 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 then it's really hard to fill in. And that's what these Pokemon puzzles are like. Lots of little numbers, weird, abstract. Like, the way it works is when you finish the puzzle, it, like, turns to color and then shows you the picture of the Pokemon sort of overlaid on the puzzle you just finished. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I see it now. It was a Pikachu. But uh, when you're just filling in the squares, you have no fucking clue what Pokemon you're supposed to be trying to recreate. So the game is incredibly hard, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> because, like, <clears throat> I've played a lot of Picross, and um, you're not going to get me addicted to it with, like, uh, a bunch of stupid bullshit sailboats. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really I'm really happy with the difficulty level of the game. Uh, now it's also fun um, because you get a little stable of Pokemon. You get like uh, three or four or five maximum guys, and they each one have a power to make the the puzzle a little easier. Like you can stop time or uh, reveal certain squares. Which, normally, you would think would make the game stupidly easy. But, it doesn't, because the puzzles are really hard to begin with, and because you get rewarded by achieving certain milestones. And one of those is to complete a puzzle in under five minutes. Oh, okay. Which, it turns out, is really hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not a moron. But, like, when you give me a grid that's nothing but ones, like, it's really hard to figure out where they go. It takes time. So you actually need these Pokemon powers to uh, 
to get the currency that you use to purchase your way forward in the game. Because it's a free-to-play, and so it has to have a, a grindy currency system. This is where me and the game part ways a little bit. Uh, it has a timer, which limits the amount of playing that you can do. And then it also has this bullshit currency. So mm. in order to unlock the next stage, which opens up eight or ten, well, five or six new puzzles, you have to pay an increasing cost of this uh, pick-right currency, which you get by achieving these objectives, but it's also just very limited. So inevitably you end up running out of puzzles, and then the game gets super grindy. Mm -hmm. uh, now, you can, you can actually buy your way out of all of this free-to-play garbage, but it costs like $30. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, not expecting that. <laughs> there are a lot of puzzles. There are a few hundred puzzles. Um, $30 is not the worst. Uh, I have no interest in paying $30 for it right now, but if down the line they decide to release like more packages for it, uh, and it keeps expanding to like like maybe to the point where you have every single Pokemon in the game, and you have like hundreds and hundreds of puzzles, I could see maybe you want to buy your way out of the uh, the bullshit. Um, right now, I'm on the fence. Uh, the art is great. It's beautiful Pokemon art. Uh, if you love pixelated art, you'll love solving these puzzles. Like It looks like I'm working on some kind of evolution right now. Mm. Uh, by the way, I've been working on this puzzle for an hour, and the objective to finish it is 30 minutes. Yikes. Yeah. The game is, is very difficult, uh, but I'll, I'll unlock the Pokemon at the end of it, even if I don't pass any of the um, objectives. So, uh, it's fun. Oh, it has actually got me to the point where I'm picking up my 3DS every day, because I want to oh. play. I this get is more coming from the guy who is considering selling it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm actually, I, I love it. Honestly, uh, this game is tits. I thought about picking it up, but the way Nintendo worded it in the 3DS notification was free to start, which is how they talk about a lot of their free-to-play stuff, but it just kind of, for this for some reason, it made me feel like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get, like, one puzzle, and then it's going to be like, now you have to pay or something. But that, I guess no. that's not the case. Uh, you do get... Here's the thing. You'll get access to the first... 20, 25 puzzles, depending on how you spend your pick rights, uh, puzzles for free. Mm -hmm. After that, you gotta be patient as balls. Okay. Uh, which isn't, you know, the worst thing in the world if you're, if you're a patient person. I was impatient <laughs> last night. I couldn't sleep. I just wanted to play, so I spent ten of them to refill my energy bar, which was a huge mistake. Mm. That's ten down the drain. But honestly, this is the kind of game where if I had, if I had, like, disposable income to throw around, 
I could easily see myself dropping like five dollars a week just to like get to the next set of puzzles. Well, but there's a max you would spend, right? Right. That's what I'm okay. saying. The game lets you buy out of it after a certain point. So after you okay. buy five thousand of them of these pick right currency, the game you can get them for free after that. The game okay. just stops charging you. Which is nice. I think that's kind of like a family consideration for like people who have kids who I don't know. Uh, it's, yeah, I I hate free to play. I hate I hate the whole uh, uh, what do you call it format. But Nintendo does it better than most. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, so, man, I'm really <laughs> into this game. I can't put it down. Basically, uh, if you like challenging puzzle games then you will um, really, I think, find something to like here. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it's free to get, so you can always try it. And if you decide that you find Picross to be an aggravating nightmare, mm-hmm. then you can, just, uh, you can just stop playing. Um, but the, the music is really good, because you end up listening to it for, like, three hours straight <laughs> while you uh, wrestle with a complicated puzzle. Um, if you make a mistake... It will subtract hours from your life because uh, it's a very unforgiving game if you screw up. I can't really, uh, I can't really say enough nice things about it. Probably, yeah. Oh, so I give it, uh, um, I give it, I give it uh, two hundred squares out of a twenty by fifteen. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm chewing on my fingers. I'm trying to talk. All right. Well, um, we're coming into the year 2016 here, and and Kevin and I had a discussion. I hope you were informed, Emrys, but we're sort of opening up the format of portable power. And basically, if a game can be played mobily, we will review it. And uh, also, we'll talk more about Kevin's game, too, and how that relates to the new new format. But um, my game is a Wii U game, and we talked about how to include Wii U games into our show, and I guess um, at least what I came up with was, well, if, if there's off-screen play, if you can play only on the gamepad, the handheld controller, then I would consider that a portable game within reason. I can go to my bathroom and still keep playing, so there you go. If you can play um, it on the shitter. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. We're kind of reviewing basically anything we want at this point. <laughs> so the, the, the thought behind this is like, we looked back over the year in gaming that we had where, you know, we spent time playing games. We didn't really want to play, uh, over games that we actually did want to play. And it really resulted in like a very negative year on the show. Yeah. Um, and that's just. You know, when we're just angry all the time and, like, complaining and piss-moaning about stuff, it's not as good of a show as when, like... Yeah, like, I mean, obviously we still want that to happen sometimes because we can't give good review scores to everything, but it would be nice if it was a much less common thing because part of the fun of the show is, like, when we actually like stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let's switch it up. Let's try to be a little bit happier, a little bit nicer in the new year. So, yeah, anyway... That being said, I'm reviewing a Wii U game, um, a little game called Xenoblade Chronicles X. 
this is a massive open world Japanese role playing game. It's which is really, I mean, in this day and age, it's 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 becoming less and less common to see Japanese games, let alone Japanese role playing games over here. Like the Western games market is just sort of taking over. So I was more than happy to pick this up, and um, so it's a beautiful game. Uh, I would give it. I'm going to give a score to every single thing that I like about the game and dislike. I would give it an eight out of ten in the graphics department because I think it's very pretty. The world is incredibly freaking huge, and there are very few instances of loading in the game.、Um, you will transition into like if. It's been a long time since I've played Skyrim, but it feels like there's like five Skyrim-sized areas in this game. Like it's just so massive、um, and alive. There's just everywhere you look. There's just like wildlife, and and it just these massive creatures, like you know, from little 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 cute big-eared、uh, puppy dog-looking things to Things that you're the size of their toenail, just walking along beside you. It's it's an incredible and awe-inspiring world.、Um, the characters themselves, like the the, the we'll call them the sentient characters,、um, very Japanese、uh, stylized. If that's how I would put it, I guess it's how I'm gonna put it.、Um, very Xenosaga esque. If you played the Xenosaga games, like this is the same team that made, has been making those games since. Xenogears on the PlayStation One, but、um, I would say Xenoblade Chronicles for the Wii was a bit of a departure visually from that, and I, and I liked it. But this is going back to that. The characters have much bigger eyes; they're very Japanese,、uh, stereotypically looking characters, and I don't like it as much. But I do like how well it fits in with their previous stuff. So I don't know how to reconcile that. Anyway. Um, the sound in this game is very high quality, but I would say the music is just all over the place. It's there are no classic tunes. There are some amazing tunes in the last game on the Wii, but in this one, there's some really weird choices. There's some like there's a lot of vocals. There's a, 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 there's like some rap songs while you're battling. It's just really weird music choices, and none of it sticks out. None of it. Stays with you at least in a good way. It stays with you in like a Gwen Stefani kind of way. I think sometimes. So like,、um, so like the way a the way a sheets burrito sticks with you. Exactly. That doesn't stick with you very long. For those of you that don't know, Sheets is a gas station type of Seven Eleven type place in in the East Coast. You can get made to order food there, and then it runs、yeah. right through you. <laughs>、um, the gameplay of this game is complicated. Um, I mean, there's a battle system that is very much. I'm I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's very、um, World of Warcraft s, where it's like you have a menu of icons that you select from, and like basically you come into a battle and you you select like attack, and it, your character kind of auto attacks, but then you can cycle through these icons to perform、um, different abilities and stuff like that. And each of these, like once you use them, there's a cooldown period, and you have to wait till you use it. So you have to kind of Strategically, like, go through your、uh, menu of icons, and you have to. You can, in this game, you can even sort of like circle around your opponents and stuff like that to target limbs and and whatever to knock them down or to stun them or whatever.、Uh, am I wrong to say that's World of Warcraft esque, Kevin? Um the 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 
menu, like the the way, uh, like the the buttons or whatever that you that you select to, mm-hmm. to do like different attacks and whatever, like that that sounds World of Warcraft esque. I, I I didn't hear if you said it was turn based or like in real time. No, no, no. It is absolutely like real time. Yeah, that seems very World of Warcraft. Okay. Um, there's a quest system, and there are bajillion quests that you can do. Um, a lot of them, though, are just like, go out and kill this specific monster that has a ridiculous name, and you're probably underleveled and going to die 17 times before you can beat it. Or there's another type of quest that's, collect this arbitrary item that you don't really know how to find, and it doesn't tell you how to find, but, you know, collect 7,000 of them, and then you, you finish the quest. That's complaint number one. Uh... Because this is like a what I'm gonna call like a waypoint game, which again is like sort of like Skyrim, where you select a quest, and it's just constantly pointing an arrow on the map that tells you where to go, and it's very handholdy in that regard, which which really kind of annoys me, and I don't know if there's a way to turn it off. But then when you get these quests for these like specific items and stuff, it doesn't tell you where to go, so you're like just wandering around this insanely huge and complicated world looking for these items that you have no idea where they're supposed to be. So uh, there's no good tutorials and that, I guess that's, I guess that's the biggest problem. Um, it kind of walks you through certain things and then throws you out in on, you know, into the world on your own. And, um, you have to constantly, like I'm constantly on game facts or the Xenoblade wiki or, I'm on. Um, I'm looking up the the in-game manual to figure out what the heck am I supposed to do because this was never explained. That sounds like a very old school sort of experience. Like I remember a point in time where I would have never played a video game without reading the manual cover to cover first. Yeah, yeah. I it's 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 balancing old school and new school principles, but it's succeeding at neither of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, there's there are online components to this game. I'm I'm gonna admit that I'm not far along enough in the game to have used some of them because it does l- keep certain things behind a wall that you cannot access until a certain point in the game. And even though I've put 17 hours into this game, there's a lot that I can't do yet. And you know, I kind of felt weird about reviewing the game having only put 17 hours into it. But I mean, that's a long time for to, just for me to have to wait for this game to open up and like gain momentum and give give me everything i need for review like i can finish the entire uncharted trilogy in 17 hours how many times can i beat super metroid in 17 hours like at least five times like that's a long time to make people have to wait to be able to understand everything to to be able to do everything but as it stands the online component for me is i can recruit like people on my friends list to um their characters which are ai controlled bots but i can go out on missions with them or i can pick other people from different squads that just happen to be standing around in the world um kind of cool but um supposedly there is actual four player multiplayer in the game but i haven't gotten to a point where i can actually use it so who knows i don't know um uh, there's a story in this game and it starts out really strong like earth was attacked by these basically space robots or whatever 
and humanity began to flee in these giant ships that housed like entire cities. Um, many of them were dis- destroyed on their way um, off the planet by these robots, but um, one of the ones that you are on escaped and crash-landed on an alien planet, and you need to make a new life, but this alien threat is still out there, but 17 hours into the game again, and I've yet to see much of that story come up. A lot of it is just wandering around and talking to people that you don't like. The cast in this game is not very good. Like, Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii, the previous game in the series, amazing cast of characters. Like, I loved all the characters. Um, Shulk, Rain, uh, Ricky, uh, 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 Fiora, like, they're all really good characters and in this one there's just they're so forgettable and there's the writing the acting is not nearly as good and it's really hard for me to be engaged in the story minute to minute um and a lot of that i think has to do with there's character creation and that's great i love character creation in the game but your character is not developed your character is mute your character is passive during all the story sequences which weirdly because like during battle your character is, you can even select from several voice actors for your character and actually gives you the voice actor's name before you click. Uh, it's pretty cool. But your character is incredibly vocal during battle, but then during story and everything, you just kind of nod or whatever. And it's really weird. It, it takes me out of the story because I'm supposed, I feel like I'm supposed to be the leader of this team, but the actual leader of this team is somebody else, even though I'm making all the decisions, and it just feels really, really not well done. I don't know. Um, to build upon the story, though, there's this relationship system, and there's these, uh, it's called affinity, and these affinity, like, side quests that you can do are actually kind of cool. They develop all the characters, whether they're the main characters in the game or the side characters, and then, um, these portions of the story are actually fairly engaging and interesting, and, um, and you can go into, like, a sub-menu, and you can view all the different relationships and how they form and how everyone's related to each other, and it's really cool, but... The main story itself is, in 17 hours in, is yet to really go anywhere. Um, there's just a lot in this game that's not explained. I often pick up the game and I'll just roam around for an hour and not know what I'm supposed to be doing. And my quests are, are mostly vague, or if they're not, they're a little bit above my level where I'm just getting destroyed constantly. I die so much in this game, but yet... I want to play it every day, and I don't. I don't know what that says. Like I, I really do want to play the game every single day. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to put in the time to complete it. Like supposedly it's like a hundred hour game, or or at least the bare minimum hundred hours or something like that. I think I read. So I don't. I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it, but I. I, I feel like I want to. <laughs> So that's my extremely contradictory uh, review of this game. I really like it, and I really hate it at the same time. I, I've had I've had games like that before. Like the thing with an RPG is when you know when it's asking you to interact with and spend like a hundred plus hours of the cast of characters that you don't find particularly enjoyable. That's a tall order. Yeah, that's true. I'm not the only person I've seen uh, on social media complaining about this. Like, um, the characters just don't have attractive personalities. The writing is not good enough. I feel like, I I swear I read that this game was translated to English for um, European uh, audiences, much like Xenoblade Chronicles on Wii. 
but then retranslate it again uh, from that, I suppose, for um, American audiences, which I think is so stupid. Like, it's, can we not understand that their their word flavor has a U in it instead of, you know, like... They just they need really to say need to dude a couple times. Right. And Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I, I wonder how the European version is, if it's... If this the game that I'm thinking of that they did that to, um, I could be wrong on that. But <laughs> <laughs> I know I read that somebody did that. But um, anyway, yeah, the writing's not very good. The characters talk so long about nothing, and they have conversations about things you don't care about. And I don't know how to skip the dialogue. And there's a guy <laughs> with a handlebar mustache. <laughs> you know, this this brings me back to another game that has similar traits. In terms of, like, the story not being very good, the writing being pretty bad, and, like, none of the characters being overly remarkable, and uh, mm-hmm. it's called Pokemon, and we all played oh. it a lot. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's the thing about Xenoblade that's keeping me going back, is there is enough engaging battling and stuff that I'm like, alright, this is cool, and then I can wander around the world and be like, oh, I'm gonna walk for five minutes up this giant tree, or, you know whatever yeah i mean it would be nice if every rpg had like an engaging story and great characters but like ultimately you have to judge this sort of thing i mean yeah like the the story is something you have to grade it on but like mm-hmm. ultimately like, this is a game and you know like the the battle system and the exploration like that's all a part of it so if, if those other yeah. things are enough like i think it's it's enough for me yeah no, so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna say that i like the game despite everything i've been complaining about and how angry i've been about it um, no, I, think I that's like fair. the game. I'm I'm glad I own it, but I understand that this is not for everyone. And and some of you, sixty listeners or whatever we have now, um, might buy it and and hate it, and and that's cool. I understand why you would. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop because I think I've been rambling for quite a while. I've lost track of time. Um, let's dive into our portable past, which now includes games. From hell last week, if we want. Uh, <laughs> well, not last week because I mean we record once a month. Fine. But yeah, uh, our portable past is gonna expand to include games from current generation that maybe we just missed somewhere along the line, uh, and th- this is mainly to accommodate just um, like we have you know we had months this year where like. No 3DS games came out, and it was all, we were mainly playing iOS garbage just because we had to record episodes. <laughs> um, and I have games in my backlog for the 3DS that I haven't even played um, simply because I can't review them for the show because I just don't have as much time for leisure gaming as I want. Yeah. Um, so for this episode, I'm going to be recovering. I'm going to be covering a game that is not that old: um, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. It's a game uh, that was released on October 23rd, 2014, so yeah, a little over a year ago. 
It's developed by WayForward Technologies. Um, it was released for both 3DS and Wii U. Um, currently, it's $9.99 on the eShop, but that's a sale price. I don't know how long that's going to last for. Um, and yeah, I actually covered the Wii U version for this game, although I imagine the 3DS version is very much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse is very much uh, a 2D side-scrolling platformer. It's billed as a Metroidvania. I kind of hate that term. I just hate the word. I don't hate the. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't hate the idea of what it represents. I just hate the word. Yeah. Um. And I, I agree with that somewhat. Although I find that it has more in common with um. Zelda Two. Oh. But with a lot of the elements of Zelda Two removed, that I find myself having to be a Zelda Two apologist for. So, what what I'm saying is, as much as I like Zelda 2, I recognize that it has flaws, and Shantae is like, and Shantae and the Pirate's Curse is like a superior version of Zelda 2. Um, Superior? Well, I still have more nostalgia for Zelda 2. I think I still like it better, just because, you know, I have more memories associated with it. Uh Uh-huh. But, objectively speaking, I think it's a better game. (laughs) Um... It has the Metroidvania elements of, like, you know, various different areas that you explore, um, you know, different items that you gather, dungeons that you explore. Um, but what it does, unlike... I'm less familiar with the Castlevania series and more familiar with Metroid, which I've never finished a game in the series because I always get lost. <laughs> um, and Shantae handles that in a lot of brilliant ways. Well, I, I guess I should get started at the beginning. Um... Apparently, this is the third game in a series. I briefly played the first one, which was a game for the Game Boy Color, that, like, the cartridge goes for, like, $900 on eBay oh, or whatever. Yeah. It's un- it's ridiculous, but I-, I downloaded it on the 3DS eShop for the Virtual Console, and I'm glad I didn't pay $900 for it. Um, <laughs> like, it- no, it's a fun game, but, like, I would have been very angry if I had paid $900 for that. Uh... You know, it's it's fun. It's harder than it needs to be, and it's definitely flawed. Um, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, on the other hand, is a much updated version of that game. I mean, it's it's a new game in the series. It's the third game in the series. I guess the second one was Risky's Revenge. Um, and this one involves Shantae and her, I guess, apparently former archenemy, Risky Boots, uh, the pirate, uh, teaming up together to fight the evil pirate... I forget his name. I don't know. But he's is, evil. Are you sure the name is Risky Boots it, and not Jiggly Boobs? Uh, everybody in this game has Jiggly Boobs, and maybe that <laughs> influences the positive review this game's about to get from me. Because <laughs> I do like me some jiggling boobs. I don't know. They're not so bad. They're not so bad once you get used to them. Or even before you're <laughs> used to them. I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of our audience might not be that used to Jiggly Boobs. But, uh... <laughs> They should know that... <laughs> that's an, that's an outdated stereotype. <clears throat> is it? I feel like it is. I don't know. Well, the thing is that a, about half of the nerds have the jiggly boobs. Right. True. So you got to remember those people. No. I didn't mean those, to forget those people. Those people. <laughs> oh. Women. <laughs> Women. Those people. <laughs> I'm not I thought drunk, you were talking about fat dudes. <clears throat> oh, oh, well, they, you know, no, different 
set of jiggly boobs. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> now that we've alienated everybody, that's good. Yeah. As long as you're alienating both, everybody, both yeah. right? No, I'm an equal opportunity alienator. Except for aliens, <laughs> I don't alienate them. Um. So this game involves you know uh, Shantae teaming up with her former arch nemesis Risky Boots to defeat the evil pirate. I can't remember his name. He's a captain. He's evil, and he needs to be stopped. Uh, <laughs> The, the the big thing about Shantae is presentation. Uh, the story is very um, silly. It's uh, it has it features a lot of making fun of you know common anime magical girl tropes. It it very much uh, it definitely makes at least one Star Wars reference. And that, that there's a point where Shantae and the other female characters in the game are captured and forced to wear. Um, Princess Leia gold bikinis. <laughs> and it's, you know, heavily referenced that, like, like, you know, she, they mistake her for a princess. They mistake every female character in the game for a princess. And they make her wear, they make them wear these gold bikinis. And Shantae is like, oh, I feel like I'm some outer space princess or something. Which is clearly a reference to Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah. What? <laughs> I just said, being what? silly. Oh yeah. Uh, so you know that that's the sort of tone that the game takes. It never takes itself very seriously. Um, but that doesn't make the story any less enjoyable. The characters are all very enjoyable and unique. I, I mean, they they are certainly a little two dimensional. Like they they all function with the depth. Uh, of... That's a pun. What's that? <laughs> That's like a pun. Oh, it's yes, a, it is. Yeah. It's a 2D game. Yeah, no, they, they all function a little bit like sitcom characters. Uh, and and at times, like, I, I found an issue with um, this being the first game in the series that I've really sat down and played. Like, I played the first game, but this one being the first one that I really paid attention to, like, they would mm. occasionally expect you to just know who a character was, and I ended up, like, they'd be like, oh, you should talk to this person. I'd be like, alright, who the fuck is that person? So I'd have to, like, go on the internet and look up who that character was. And thank God for mm-hmm. the internet, because otherwise I would have been stuck at multiple points just based on character names. Um, but, I mean, that, that's a, that's a pretty mild complaint as far as I'm concerned, because I, I don't, I don't feel like it's cheating to go onto, like, the internet and do a Google image search for a certain character and be like, oh, yeah, I totally remember meeting them at one point. I just didn't know what their name was. And really, that's mm-hmm. how most of my life works, because I never remember who people are or what they look like. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the the presentation <laughs> of the game... Just remember, hmm? no one else in the world is as important as you. <laughs> right. That's how I feel about everything. <laughs> I always remember what I look like. <laughs> That's not true. That's why I take selfies. I've rarely seen your selfies. Don't be silly. I don't take that many You're selfies. Silly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the the presentation of the game is really top notch. Like, and that's something that I find goes more or less across the board with the way forward productions. Like, um, they make a lot of effort. Like, they're not. I mean, I don't feel like they're an enormous game studio, but they really try to function like they're one of the big ones. Like, you know, they mm-hmm. they put 110% into everything that they do, and... No. What's that? No. No? WayForward puts 110% into their own propi- proprietary uh, uh, games. Uh, whenever they do a licensed game, 
Yeah, but doesn't that go I would, for I would, I would exclude Batman Brave and the Bold, um, but even that was just okay. Like, mm-hmm. I would... A Boy in His Blob, Shantae... What else have they done? Um, Mighty Switch Force. Mighty Switch Force is good. Like, their, their own games that they, they take to heart, they do really well, but a little, they've done a few stinkers. Uh, for their licensed games. Okay, well... Sorry to undermine you. No, 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 it's fine. I mean, I, I wasn't even thinking about, like, their licensed properties. But I, mm. I, I feel like that... I mean, do people who listen to video game podcasts not know that licensed video games are just bad? I would... I'm gonna go one step above you, and does anyone listen to video game podcasts? <laughs> oh! <laughs> uh, no. The answer is No. <laughs> Because I certainly don't. I haven't listened to any podcast in like three months. Uh, yeah. I got some catching up to do, you guys. I, I've listened to Koopa Club, and really that's, like, yeah. as far as video game podcasts go, that's about it. But, <coughs> yeah, um, one of the things that really goes a long way to selling the presentation in Shantae is... Uh, the graphics, which, I mean, it should not come as any surprise for oh, yeah. a way forward game. Like, they always have top-notch animation. Mm-hmm. Um, Shantae looks, on the surface, like a somewhere between a 16 and 32-bit character in The Pirate's Curse. But the, the level of animation and the attention to detail given to her sprite is just above and beyond. Like, they, they could have easily half-assed you know, the effort, and like, oh, well, you know, I mean, she's got some boobs, so, like, you know, you could just make a cute anime boob character, and, you know, you'd automatically get game sales, but, like, mm-hmm. they actually put effort into making her um, not just a sex object, and really not a sex object at all, beyond, like, maybe some brief parody moments, mm-hmm. um, and actually having, like, great graphics. Like, the animation is terrific. The locales for the game are varied, um, like that, and that's one of the things I think it does better than Metroid. Is I always knew where I was because the locations were so I'm, different. I'm hanging up now. What? <laughs> All right, did I make you mad with my Metroid comments? Nothing's better than Metroid. <laughs> I've never finished a Metroid game, man. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> are you really? tendering you your resignation? What's that? You've never finished a Metroid game? No, because I always get lost, because everything looks the fucking same. No, it's only, only Metroid 2 is like that. Well, I mean, that's the one I played the most. Well, maybe Metroid 1, but... Well, yeah, yeah. Metroid 1 and Metroid 2 are the ones I played the most. Okay. I thought I thought Metroid Prime was joyful with its variety. Yeah, but I'm bad at first-person games. Also, I get motion sick. Mm. Oh, the motion sickness. That's right. I would recommend... A little game called Super Metroid. Perhaps you've heard of it. I actually own it. <laughs> you own the cartridge. I do. And See, yeah. Uh, the later day. It? I have not. The later day that. mobile games are pretty good too, like uh, Metroid Zero and um, Fusion's good. Fusion, yeah. I even liked Hunters, even though again it was a first-person game. So Kevin, you probably wouldn't like it. It was yeah. weird. It, I mean, I enjoyed Metroid Prime for the, like, ten hours that I played it, but... That's just... <laughs> hmm? Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a reasonable, that's a reasonable time commitment. Yeah. 
that's a, a lot of time invested into something that's making you motion sick. <laughs> well, I, I would play it for maybe like 30 minutes at a time and then go barf. And like, I mean, I, okay. no, I, I never barfed when playing it. But binge and purge, binge and purge. Yeah, like, I would be like, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Another thing that's great about Shantae, back to the subject of what we're actually talking about, oh, and yeah, that. not Samus Aran. <laughs> um, the the sound design is really good. It has like little bits of voice acting, which I could take or leave. It's not necessary. It's sort of handled in the way that um, a lot of the GBA uh, NES remakes were handled. Okay. Um, although not nearly as obnoxious, I feel. <coughs> um, so you know, there's little bits of like Shantae being like, "Oh yeah," and stuff like that, <laughs> uh, which I could take or leave. Um, but the soundtrack is really great. It goes back to like you know the the quality of like 16-bit era where you know I found games like Hummable for their soundtracks yeah. and uh, it, it's not like Xenoblade. What's that? <laughs> I'm gonna put some Xenoblade rap songs in this in this episode. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, hope you it. do. I want to hear some Xenoblade so, raps. We will lose listeners. <laughs> um. So the soundtrack is really good. Um. The controls are tight and precise. I never felt like I was, uh, you know, having a problem with the game because of the controls. Although, to be fair, I never had a problem with this game because, unlike the first Shantae game, uh, Pirate's Curse is pretty well on the easy side. I did not die once the entire time that I played it. Oh, wow. And I finished the game. Damn. Yeah, like, start to finish, no deaths. Um, they, they sort of make it hard for you to die. They give you auto potions so that, like, when you run out of health, it just automatically refills. Like, you can, you have to buy them, but money is not scarce. Like, I found myself <laughs> with an overabundance of money where I was, like, blowing it on items I didn't need. Um, but something that's really cool about it is, like, like a, you know, any good Metroidvania type game. God, I feel like a douchebag for saying that word. Um... You get, you gain items as you explore dungeons. Uh, you know, you gain an item that like lets you hover. You gain an item that like gives you a long range attack. You know, like a gun. Uh, aside from Shantae's basic hair attack, that my biggest criticism of Shantae is the fact that her main attack is whipping her hair at her enemies. Not because I think that's a stupid concept, but because <laughs> every time I used her attack, I just kept getting a song in my head where it was like, I whip my hair back and forth, I whip my hair back and forth, I whip my hair back and forth. And it right. made me borderline suicidal because that's an awful song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, you get, like, a dash attack, you you get, uh, like, a down thrust, like Zelda 2. Um... There are so many different, you know, things that, like, open up new areas for you to explore, even in pre-existing areas. And the way that it handles different areas um, as separate islands, like, you have to sail to them, it made it a lot more manageable for me than, like, the big open world of, like, a Metroid game. I I know, I'm sorry, that's probably, like, a big selling point for the Metroid series, but mm-hmm. I found it overwhelming. Okay. And Shantae sort of broke that down a lot, and I, I really appreciated that. The boss fights are inventive. They always have, like, some kind of puzzle um, associated with the boss. Um, and the characters are all really likable. Like, even the villains. Um, it, it pokes fun at video games as a whole. Um, there, there are certain characters that, like, have fun breaking the fourth wall and being really meta with themselves. Um 
it's a game that doesn't take itself too seriously in any way other than the actual gameplay itself, which is very seriously good. So, I feel like I can wholeheartedly recommend Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, uh, especially for $10. Like, it's not an extremely long game, but it's definitely worth 10 bucks. and, I mean, honestly, I would probably pay more for it than that, but yeah, go out and pick it up. It's a lot of fun. Okay. So we've been doing pretty long episode here when all is said and done. Mm-hmm. I'm actually uh, on YouTube right now trying to find Zenon Blade songs <laughs> so I can annoy you. No. Oh, this... These are way better than I swear that I, they are in the game. Oh, here we go. Listen to this garbage. Oh my god, and you have to listen to this over and over? It's like the music in the city. Hold on. Am I wrong in feeling this music belongs from like a Seattle garage band from the early '90s? I don't. Um, that's being incredibly generous of you. Um, I would say that the music is is it's very Japanese. Like some parts of it feel so much like a Dreamcast era game. Like I would the the music in this game. Some of it would have felt felt more at home in like Jet Grind Radio or something. You, um, yeah. you seriously have to listen to that over and over again? In the city. Yeah, in the That's city. That's horrible. It's, some of it's really bad. I couldn't find the rap song, but I am definitely want to put that in the episode <laughs> just to highlight how bad it is. I think, going back into my review now, <laughs> um, I think parts of the game remind me of Fantasy Star Online, and that's why I'm enjoying it so much, is some weird um, fake nostalgia that I'm having. So, yeah, that's an episode. That's a wrap, you guys. We did it. We made it through it. Good deal. Good deal. Your paychecks are in the mail. Oh, if only (laughs) that was true. (laughs) Your paychecks are in my ass. Oh, if only that was true. (laughs) I fished that out. (laughs) With a rod. (laughs) I don't... I don't... That got away from me. Is it weird that I'm visualizing you? Like... (laughs) Trying to to dig it out. An actual piece of paper stuffed up there. Trying to dig it out. Like, like pushing along each side with your member. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little wrong. You're a married man. Oh. (laughs) My heavens. All right, well... We had to end the episode on a high note there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to stop recording. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go over to portablepower.popularoutcast.com. Clear your cookies or use incognito mode. Do the shopping that you'd normally do. We'll get a small cut of whatever it is you spend at no additional cost to you. Help us get noticed. 
Go over to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to the Portable Power Podcast. Get in touch with us. Maybe you'd like to send us a game review request or your own answer to our question of the week. You can email us at portablepowerpodcast at gmail.com or use Facebook, facebook.com slash portablepowerpodcast or get in touch with us on Twitter at portablepowerfm. Drink responsibly and listen to the next episode of the Portable Power Podcast so you can witness what happens when people don't. Oh, fresh assholes are the worst. Like, fresh-squeezed, organic, uh, free-range assholes. Can't take it anymore. It offends my sensibilities. Um...